all the many indignities of this period. Mask wearing, social distancing, virtual relationships, of all the emotional harm, the inability to see loved ones and friends for two years, our estrangement from colleagues, coworkers, and congregants, of all the frustrations. Travel is so complicated nowadays, you have to jump through so many hoops that who even wants to go abroad? And if you do somehow get on the plane, what would you even do at your destination? Everything's closed or restricted, and you would have to quarantine upon arrival anyway. Of all the anxieties, the inability to relax, to put our guard down, because like the Mississippi, this pandemic just keeps rolling along. Just when we think we're done with it, it reminds us that it is not done with us. Of all the fears that somehow some invisible virus will incubate in my throat until it figures out how to kill me. Of all the deprivations, I'm still waiting for a part for my air conditioning system months after it broke down at home. It's probably sitting in some warehouse or on a ship idly waiting its turn to dock, and I'm worried that it may not even arrive before summer. Of all the many deficiencies, denials, and dispossessions of these depressing days, the worst, the absolute worst indignity of these last two years, the place where I draw the line and conclude that this is just blatant cruelty and inhumane treatment. I'm willing to put up with anything but just not this, the offensive and intolerable affliction, the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic is the cream cheese shortage. <laughs> you kidding me? Go ahead and deprive me of Thanksgiving with my family. Go ahead and strip me of winter break. Go ahead and delay my air conditioning part. I'll suffer through 90 degree heat in the summertime with equanimity. Go ahead and fill me with anxiety, never allowing me to relax for even a moment. But no cream cheese. What kind of cruel smear campaign is this? About there are only apparently a few days left of cream cheese in the entire city. Now that's too much to bear. Since this cream cheese shortage is such a grave affliction and so destructive to the fiber and fabric of New York City, I feel a responsibility to calm you down and reassure you that all will be well. Two points for your consideration. First, it is shocking for Americans raised on the Emersonian ethos of self-reliance to discover that I can't have everything or do everything whenever I want, irrespective of what anyone else wants. No one can live alone, not even Americans. Everyone is related to everyone. One person's well-being is dependent on others' well-being. 
You can't have a smear on your bagel unless Barney Greengrass gets his cream cheese. And his cream cheese, the incomparable, indescribable, inexpressible, even ineffable lump of luscious lactate he puts on your bagel comes from a long and vulnerable chain of production. If the farmer doesn't receive the feed from his supplier, Bessie doesn't eat. And if Bessie doesn't eat, she doesn't produce milk. It's what we might call an utter disaster. <laughs> and if there's no milk, there's no cream cheese. And if there is no cream cheese, you don't have breakfast. At least not the breakfast you want. If the farmer doesn't have the spare parts to keep the barn warm in winter, you can forget your bagel and schmear. If the trucker that brings your cream cheese to New York City is sick or has reevaluated his life during this period of the great reassessment, and if he concluded that he no longer wants to be a truck driver, he wants to be the coach of the Little League of his son, then how shall I put this in a way that New Yorkers really understand? You're smeared. <laughs> Next time you look at the mountain of cream cheese in the H&H deli counter, Try to imagine what it took to get there. How many people contributed to your breakfast? And if you do this, if you begin to understand how truly interconnected we all are, how each one of us is dependent on multitudes for every basic task and possession we have, this cream cheese shortage might do some good in the end. You may become a little less arrogant, a little less self-centered. Perhaps you will develop more humility, a deeper understanding of the innate vulnerabilities and fragilities of life. And that might lead you to action. More Americans might give some thought to how many spectacular people were involved in getting that COVID vaccine in your arm. And more Americans might then entertain the notion that to refuse vaccination is not only a personal choice. The relentlessness of this pandemic is connected to your refusal to be vaccinated and on your insistence that it is simply your choice and has nothing to do with anyone else. Individual failings cause collective failings. And collective failings cause individuals to fail. We rely on others. We have no choice. I have a stake in your behavior, your accomplishments, your dreams, and aspirations, and your well-being. Second, we take for granted so much about life 
Most of us do not give a passing thought to deprivation. I'm not talking about whether we have to consider if we have enough to buy a new car this year, or do we have enough for two vacations, or even for that night out on, with that spectacular new hot restaurant in town. What I'm talking about is that practically none of us thinks about whether we can put food on the table tonight. We do not have to decide whether we will eat dinner tonight or take that pill that keeps me alive because we can't afford both. Practically none of us has endured the kind of famine described in this week's Torah portion by Igash. The famine was so severe that people came from throughout the Near East to beg Joseph to sell them food at a surge price. That's how Joseph's brothers ended in Egypt in the first place, confronting their long-lost sibling. What is described in the Torah portion is a real shortage. Now, that's real deprivation, a real famine. I remember as, my as a child how my mother delighted in bread and butter. It was a heavenly treat for her. In reality, it was more like butter and bread. She would take this huge amount of butter or Philadelphia cream cheese and put it on a bagel or a slice of bread uh, like a little hill high. Growing up, I thought that was just her peculiarity. I remember it. I still have that visual in my head, but I didn't give it too much thought. It's what she liked. I didn't really appreciate the significance until after she died two years ago. And I read her memoirs that she left us to read upon her death. She wrote that she grew up in wartime Siberia under conditions of mass starvation. She described her struggle to eat how multitudes died of hunger in her town. She wrote that on several occasions, she, her three siblings, and her mother, left alone because Stalin murdered her father, were literally on the verge of death in those minus 30 degrees Siberian winters. She credits their survival to the iron will of her mother, and the kindness of neighbors who gave their food vouchers to them so that they could buy a little bit more food for the four children. After this upbringing, to live in America, in the land of no shortages, reach out your hand and grab whatever you want. My mother was completely satisfied with bread and butter. Really, it was more butter and bread, piled high. For her, it was an unimaginable luxury. She didn't want or need anything more. So if you go to the deli next week and there's no cream cheese, try some butter on your bagel. There's no butter shortage in New York. When I was studying in London, they didn't even have cream cheese. That was an American luxury. 
the Brits would spread a thin smear of butter on their lox and bagels. And you know what I discovered? Actually, it wasn't bad. Shabbat shalom.